It was not 100 years ago that Sir Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin in 1928 and revolutionized modern medicine, rendering previously incurable infections curable. He won the Nobel Prize in 1945, but warned in an interview soon after by saying, the thoughtless person playing with penicillin treatment is morally responsible for the death of the man who succumbs to infection with a penicillin-resistant organism. His prediction was sadly true, and a number of bacterial infections have started becoming harder to treat. Of particular concern is the lack of new agents to treat gram-negative bacterial infections. The terms MDR, XDR, DTT have become a part of everyday practice in many clinical settings. In order to raise the flag on antimicrobial resistance, better known as AMR, the WHO has released a number of initiatives aimed at improving antimicrobial use and to drive development of new treatment and diagnostics for drug-resistant infections. In addition, World Antibiotic Awareness Week was launched to educate and spread the word on AMR. This year's World Antibiotic Awareness Week falls between 18 and 24 November 2021. We've coincided this very important episode with World Antibiotic Awareness Week. AMR is a One Health problem, meaning that it exists in human, animal, and environmental health and must be tackled as such. However, one important component of the effort, and a low-hanging fruit, as it were, is to improve current antimicrobial use and combat AMR through antimicrobial stewardship. On this episode of Microbe Mail, to mark World Antibiotic Awareness Week, we are talking about the quality indicators of appropriate antimicrobial prescribing in the hopes that our listeners will use some of the tips offered to improve their own prescribing practices. This is Microbe Mail, and I am your host, Vindana Chibabai. My guest today is Sonia Coleman. Sonia is a clinical pharmacist based at the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital in Johannesburg, South Africa. Hi, Sonia. Welcome to Microbe Mail, and thanks for joining me. Hi, Vin. Thanks a lot for having me. Before we start today's episode, remember to sign up for updates at microbemail.captivate.fm. Follow us on YouTube or social media. If you think someone else might enjoy Microbe Mail, please forward our details and also go to podchaser.com to leave us a review. You'll find Microbe Mail wherever you listen to podcasts or directly on our website. And all of the links to our sites are available in the show notes. Sonia, since A is for antimicrobials, let us be A for away. Antimicrobials are so different from other medication that a patient receives. Can you explain how and why this is? Sure. Unlike other drugs, antibiotics are used to treat the microbe. The microbe is the organism causing the infection, not the human. All other medication developed treats some component of the human body. Antimicrobials are developed to treat something foreign from the body. There are different kinds of infections. There's bacterial, viruses, and fungals. Antimicrobials include antibiotics, 
antivirals and antifungals. An antibiotic is used to treat bacterial infections, antivirals are used to treat viruses, and antifungals are used to treat fungal infections. It's usually given for a short period of time, normally about five to seven days. Interestingly enough, there are hardly any new antibiotics in the pipeline. This is because there's no money in antibiotics as they're used for such a short period of time and they can actually become resistant very quickly. If you think about it, it's more beneficial for drug companies to make cholesterol or blood pressure medicine where the patient will take it for life. So then what is this term antimicrobial stewardship and briefly, what does it entail? So AMS is the abbreviation and it's called antimicrobial stewardship. It's a coordinated program that promotes the appropriate use of antimicrobials, improves patient outcomes, reduces resistance and decreases the spread of infection caused by multidrug resistant organisms. The AMS team is usually a group of people, including doctors, nurses, and pharmacists, and together they work to ensure that the patients are treated for the right drug, for the right bug, at the right dose, for the right duration. There's a lot of rights in AMS. It's really important to target appropriate therapy according to culture results. What I mean is once a culture has, be, has come back from the laboratory, Good stewardship practice dictates that you change therapy if needed. For example, if it shows that a patient has an infection that is resistant to a certain drug, then that drug needs to be stopped and the patient's put on an antibiotic that is sensitive. Another important concept is de-escalation. What I mean is after obtaining the culture results, it's often recommended, that's good stewardship practice, that if a narrow spectrum antimicrobial is available, it should be used. Broader spectrum antibiotics would then be reserved for drug resistant infections. So an example of that would be an MSSA infection, a methicillin sensitive Staph aureus. If the patient was on vancomycin and the cultures came back showing that it was an MSSA, then the vancomycin should be stopped and the patient should be switched to cloxicillin, which is a a, a narrower spectrum antimicrobial. Thanks for that really good introduction, Sonia. How would a clinician know which of the antimicrobials should be reserved or saved? So in 2019, the World Health Organization Expert Committee developed a classification system of antibiotics. They divided 180 antibiotics into three categories namely the access, the watch, or the reserve um, class of antibiotics. Access antibiotics include antibiotics that have activity against a wide range of commonly encountered susceptible pathogens, while also showing lower potential to resistance than antibiotics in the other two groups. There are 48 antibiotics in this group. The second category are the watch group of antibiotics. These have a higher resistant potential and include most of the highest priority agents amongst the critically important antibiotics for human consumption and antibiotics that are at a relatively high risk for resistance. These agents should be targeted on AMS programs. There are 110 antibiotics in this group. For example, the carbapenems fall in this group. The last group are the reserve antibiotics. 
Here, antibiotics should be reserved for the treatment of confirmed or suspected infections due to multi-drug-resistant organisms. These antibiotics should be treated as last resort antibiotic agents. These agents should also form part of AMS activities for monitoring and utilization reporting. There are 22 antibiotics in this group. So for, for us in South Africa, um, colistin is a last resort antibiotic and that would fall as part of this group. Every clinician should familiarize themselves of the aware classification and use antibiotics in the watch and reserve groups only when necessary. And then these agents should be monitored closely. For a clinician's purpose, we'll make sure that the AWARE classification is available in the show notes. So, Sonia, what would you say are the quality indicators of antimicrobial prescribing? So an active AMS program relies on the measurement of certain key quality indicators known as QIs, which are used to determine the success of the AMS program. QIs are defined as measurable elements of practice performance for which there's evidence or consensus that can be used to assess the quality of care provided. In South Africa, we use the term bundles and low-hanging fruit to measure our AMS programs. Examples of these measurements, which I use in my daily um, activities, would be um, drug bug matching, where we make sure that the right bug is being treated with the right drug. Duration, we measure how long a patient takes antibiotics for, and we intervene if the durations are too long. Culture's done, we measure whether a culture has been taken before the antibiotics are started. This is important because you can't, you don't know what you're treating if you haven't done a culture beforehand. Hang time is we measure how long after the doctor has written the script does the patient actually get the antibiotics. So this is important in critical, critically ill patients because we need to um, ensure that the patients get the first dose of um, the antibiotic within the golden hour after the doctor has written up the prescription. And then um, lastly, appropriate dosing. We want to make sure that the patient receives the correct dose. Okay, so can you give us some examples of antimicrobial prescriptions using the quality indicators for inappropriate prescribing and for appropriate prescribing? Sure, so this is an, an example that actually ha happens quite a lot in our practice. So if a patient has pneumonia, for example, that's sensitive to penicillin, which is part of the access antibiotics, we would encourage the doctor to treat for five days if there was a positive clinical response. We would make sure that the blood cultures were taken before the antibiotics were started. If after day three, the blood culture showed an ESBL infection, and that stands for an extended spectrum beta-lactamase infection, it's, it's a resistant form of the organisms, we would stop the antibiotic and change them to a carbapenem antibiotic. Um, which is part of the watch group of antibiotics. And this we would call drug-bug matching. We would then check the dosing to see that the correct dose is, was given. Okay, so essentially quality indicators of antimicrobial use needs to be monitored basically in everyday practice. And we can understand that in a large hospital setting, this would likely be achieved by the whole antimicrobial stewardship team. Sonia, do you have some suggestions on how this can be achieved in a small outpatient practice? 
Yes, so another aspect to AMS is the appropriate use of antibiotics. In a small outpatient practice, it would be very important to make sure that the clinicians treat true infections. Flu is a virus and antibiotics treat bacterial infections. So you don't need to treat the flu with antibiotics. If you do, you're driving resistance and the next time your patient needs an antibiotic, it might be resistance. Make friends with your laboratory and your microbiologist. They're essential members of the AMS team and ask if insure. Speak to them about laboratory tests, which can be used to differentiate between bacterial and viral infections. Now, something that we like to always try and include on microbe mail episodes is whether there are any gender-specific differences and even possible inequalities with regards to patient management. So when it comes to antimicrobial use and antimicrobial prescribing, do you know whether there are any gender-specific differences and inequalities that clinicians should be aware of? So this is a fascinating concept that I had no idea about until I was preparing for this podcast. So thank you for that. After reading some articles, I found that there have been a few studies done around the world. A recent meta-analysis across primary care facilities in nine high-income countries found that women received more antibiotics in all age groups, except in the greater than 75 age group, and 30 to 40% more antibiotics in the 16 to 54 age group. Another study that was done in England and Wales primary care clinics found that women received antibiotics 40% more than males. So I found that there were three reasons for this. The first one is there are biological factors that increase the woman's risk of infections. For example, urinary tract infections are more common in women and without appropriate treatment can result in serious health conditions. Similarly, childbirth, abortion, and sanitary healthcare all expose women to a large range of infections. In many countries, women consult their GP more often than men, resulting in more antibiotic prescribing. And also, I'm sure we all know this, men and women also communicate differently and health professionals and prescribers might have a bias that affect their willingness to women more so than men during consultations. This is really a fascinating uh, concept, Sonia. So thanks for highlighting that. And I also think that it's a com component of antimicrobial resistance, which is not really well known widely by, by clinicians. So thanks really for that detailed brief. And it's certainly something for our clinicians to be thinking about when consulting female patients. Would you say that there are any specific recommendations for monitoring antimicrobial use, which may be specifically applicable to a pediatric setting? So yes, so I work primarily in a pediatric setting. In pediatrics, we have weight-based dosing. So depending on the weight of the child, the dosing would be different. Hence, it's very important to weigh children regularly and adjust the dosing when necessary. Also in the neonatal ICU setting, antibiotic dosing is sometimes different in the first week of life. This has to do with the maturity of the kidneys. It's also very important to have access to good drug reference guides to ensure appropriate dosing of antibiotics. Okay, that's quite useful as well. Would you say that in a low and middle income country that there are specific challenges to implementing antimicrobial stewardship? And could you give some examples of that? Absolutely. I think the challenges we face in low and middle income countries are fourfold. 
Um, the first one is the lack of resources. We have limited staffing. In my travels overseas, when I've seen other um, a clinical pharmacy um, departments, they have multiple clinical pharmacists. Yet in South Africa, we have one or two. Sometimes hospitals have none. There are also very few infectious disease trained doctors as well. In South Africa and other low and middle income countries, access to literature, especially peer reviewed journals is inaccessible. Unless journals are open access, the majority of healthcare workers cannot afford to pay $35 for a single article. Education and awareness is also important. A huge proportion of medical professionals and the general public are unaware of the problem of antimicrobial resistance. This is something that requires urgent attention. And then lastly is access to newer agents. We don't have access to the new antibiotics that have been developed to treat new multi-drug resistant infections. SAPRA needs to approve them first, and this can take years. Also, once approved, they're most probably going to be very expensive, and us working in state hospitals will not have access to them. So these are really important, and I think quite critical that we try and address these um, from a low resource setting so that we can actually improve our antimicrobial stewardship practices. So Sonia, before we end this episode, Let's move to our spotlight feature today. We have a very special little guest with a very important message about antimicrobial resistance. Here it is. Hello, microbe male friends. My name is Saskia. I'm 10 years old and I live in Durban, South Africa. Antibiotics are among the most important discovery of medical science. Because of antibiotics, everyday infection could be treated and millions of lives could be saved. With antibiotic resistance becoming so common, soon we won't be able to treat these everyday infections anymore. My generation needs you to stand up and fight against antibiotic resistance. Do the right thing, save antibiotics for my generation, save antibiotics for the future generation. Thank you. Thank you, Saskia. That was beautiful. And yes, you are our future. Sonia, I believe you also have a message and a very personal AMR experience to share with our listeners. COVID has shown us that the way we act has an, has an effect on others. The same rings true for AMS. If we don't use antibiotics responsibly and appropriately, then we drive resistance. What that means is we will have a patient needing, hospi needing hospital because all oral antibiotics are resistant. That means they don't work. Or even worse, patients will have infections that are so completely resistant to all antibiotics. And these infections can spread. So even though I did not abuse antibiotics, I also can be affected with these multi-drug resistant infections. When I was at university, one of my lecturers once said that in 20 years time, there might be a cure for cancer, but the patient will die from infection that there are no antibiotics to treat. My father died from a multi-drug resistant infection and seeing him in hospital and knowing that there was nothing we could do to save him has made me passionate and driven in my AMS activities. Because I know if we don't preserve the antibiotics we have now, there won't be any antibiotics around for my grandchildren. Sonia, the thought of that is absolutely chilling. And with that in mind, could you give us a take home message to help improve antimicrobial prescribing? Sure. 
So the most important part of AMS is teamwork. Each member of the team contributes in their own way and together as a team, issues need to be addressed. It's important to stay up to date. The numerous lectures, webinars and courses that one can partake in. This podcast is one of them. It's also important that when AMS interventions are discussed, the clinicians treating the patients are open to suggestions and that there are no punitive repercussions for these clinicians. Lastly, we must involve patients in the education process. Caregivers should understand that not all illnesses need antibiotics and not to pressurize doctors to prescribe antibiotics unnecessarily. That's absolutely brilliant, Sonia. Thank you so much. This has been an amazing and perceptive discussion. Thank you for spending this World Antibiotic Awareness Week episode with Microbe Mail. There is so much more that we can chat about antimicrobial stewardship. So I really hope you'll agree to join us again sometime soon. Absolutely. It was um, fun doing it. And it was um, interesting reading up on all the new ideas. And thanks for having me. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast and learned a little bit about AMS. Thanks, Sonia. So antimicrobial resistance is often called a silent pandemic. But from my own personal and increasingly recent experience, it is certainly no longer silent and feels more and more like a roaring pandemic. Urgent sustained prioritization and action is needed from governments and major stakeholders worldwide to to combat the impending antibiotic apocalypse. And remember that we can all do our bit each and every day. It would be really great to get your feedback on this episode. You can reach us by email, on social media, or on YouTube. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic, send us an email at mail.microbe at gmail.com. That's it from me, Vin, your microbe messenger. See you again soon with more Contagious Mail.